0: I would get lost in familiar places. Like, that was really frustrating. Like, I had a list that my brain just wasn't connecting. And Mm -hmm. it was, like, it was kind of like a shorting out where Mm -hmm. I would connect fine, and then those fog moments, and it was short. Like, I was at Walmart with... This is crazy, but I actually, somehow in my pocket, my parents had given me a list of everything I needed at the store, because now I know I have to keep lists. I was going to my, you know, speech therapist and my occupational therapist, and so here I'm keeping my list. I have it in my hand. I'm standing in the store, staring at the shelves in Walmart, wondering why I wasn't at WinCo. And later on, I felt this like this sense of dread and like panic, like something's not right and adding up. Why did they both start with W's? The stuff is not Mm -hmm. the store that I want. And I can't find this shit on my list. So I sit down, I take a break, de-stress, you know, kind of come to it. And I look down, I'm holding a list for McDonald's like oh. of stuff that like people <laughs> want at McDonald's and I'm just like it like what the hell like yeah. I'm in the wrong store holding a list for McDonald's like and it was like it's old piece of paper I just couldn't put all the puzzle pieces together
1: right <laughs>
2: Hello. This is your host, Dr. Daniel Avasar. I am a brain injury survivor turned neuroscientist. I got into neuroscience to help me make sense of what happened to my mind after my traumatic brain injury. When I was 18 years old, I suffered a severe traumatic brain injury, and it took me about seven years to regain my cognition, my memory, and to get used to the changes that took place in my mind. I hid what I had been through, I worked very hard at school. I earned a PhD in neuroscience from Dartmouth, followed by a postdoc researcher position at the University of Oregon. I studied the brain at a neurophysiological, cellular, and systems level, which left me with a bottom-up perspective of what had changed in me after my brain injury. But across my recovery, my education, and my research, I never found anything that accurately represents The Brain Injury Survivors Experience. Once I started meeting other brain injury survivors, I realized how important it is to hear about our experiences firsthand. This podcast is devoted to in-depth discussion with other brain injury survivors, focused on our experiences, our problems, and the ways we have found to navigate our lives and our struggles. I hope to connect brain injury survivors through our stories. I hope to help the non-brain-injured world learn more about what we are dealing with. And, when possible, I hope to connect what is known about the brain with our unique experiences. Welcome to Experiencing My Brain. The views and opinions expressed in the Experiencing My Brain podcast are intended to promote awareness and provide information of what brain injury survivors have to deal with. This information should not be considered as medical or clinical advice. Before my brain injury, I think the world was seamless. It was not something that I ever thought about. After a brain injury, that seamlessness is gone and it's replaced with a bunch of inner problems that is hard to explain. I thank Asher for explaining her problems so candidly and so clearly because I could have never imagined such experiences. Um, it's very different from my brain injury. Her problems with attention, with the perception of time, and with the perception of herself. I mention those specific examples because there are specific systems in the brain that create each of those capacities time, attention, self. Those aspects of her mind. As well as others changed because of physical injury to her brain this recording is noisy i'm truly sorry about that i didn't realize how it would affect the recordings i think just doing housework and i had my two-year-old son with me for part of the time um again i'm sorry about the noise i hope you enjoy this second episode of experiencing my brain let's start at the beginning with what happened
0: (sighs) Yeah, so I think what happened is a, a pretty big question itself. Because my trauma, I'm not sure if it was caused by multiple concussions. Yeah. Um, I think it was like in five years, I had five concussions I went to the hospital for. And then also in like my childhood, I had some major concussions and I snowboarded previously too. And I had some major concussions that I never went to the doctors for because brain injury just didn't happen. I just remember feeling really nauseous afterwards and like getting off the slope and having that like dual headache filled. So I had a lot of concussions in my life. So I don't know the last trauma if I had because I like did drip brain fluid for like three days. Wow. Like if that was like the final kaboom. Or um if it was the add up, and so that—that's something I still don't know. And I have had migraines like since I was a teen. But that's also in retrospect, learning more about brain injuries. That's when I had my major one from snowboarding,
2: right? Right. A
0: concussion right around then. So I—I I don't know if it's because of years of trauma, and you know, now looking at the CTE stuff and knowing that I did, you know martial arts for 15 years and had, you know, tons of stuff because of blows and did MMA. I don't really know exactly where to pinpoint where it went wrong, but I will say the life-changing was the last concussion that I had. And that just sent my life topsy-turvy.
2: Wow. So, and, and I have known you before and after knew what you described afterwards and I could see the change in you and I was already like I don't know 13 years at the time like kind of hiding what I had gone through that once you start talking about it, I'm like oh okay like I know exactly what you're talking about and then that's when we start talking about this so three discussions with people about brain fog I don't know if we all mean the same thing but for you what is the brain fog.
0: So my brain fog, I just use it as a general term, and it can be something different. Um, sometimes it can be, I use it as like a term of general confusion. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I would say it's more like kind of going on autopilot. Early in the concussion, I used it more like I was on a different channel. Like like if you're old-fashioned tuning your radio, and you're just like a couple clicks the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how I felt. Like everything just felt fuzzy, disoriented and out of place. The way I can even describe it to someone who hasn't experienced it, I would say it's kind of like going, for me, like going on autopilot when you're like driving or something and you're like, whoa, I got there this quick. Mm-hmm. And for me, and you're like, oh, I don't remember going by that stop sign, but you just kind of like autopilot stuff in life um, where I'm autopiloting things and, but I'm actually like making mistakes, but I don't even really notice. Mm. Um, and some days, like I do notice it. So I, my fog days are days where I feel like my autopilot's just off. Like okay. it's, I don't know how to explain it. it. It's just, I think it's a really encompassing term.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, the term itself isn't as important as what you just described. And almost like a very specific experience for me. When I tried to do stuff, it was just so much problems that it was this inability at first, and then I got better and better at doing things. But I don't remember an experience like yours. What's it like in autopilot?
0: I, you know, and I think that's something I've been struggling with lately is trying to know, like, where my awareness level is. And I'd kind of like say it have if you're ever talking somebody you, who says they're like trying to be like in a meditative state and be present. Yeah. And like they think about what they have to say ahead of time. And they're just super self aware of their actions. They've done their whole little meditation. A lot of people don't have to live on that plane. Their daily actions just happen. But for me, I have to live super conscious of my actions, mm. like, to that level and be really, like, on it. Because if I get distracted, I won't remember what I was doing, whether it's cooking or cleaning or I'll just move to the next thing. Um, because it's, like, truly living in the moment, which mm. I don't think people understand, like, true in the moment. Like, what I'm thinking <laughs> is what I'm doing. Right. Um, I think... Another thing that's really confusing for me is my vocabulary. I have to be really, so for number one, surrounded by people who understand my language. Because the more stressed I get, the less I use the correct language. I supplement um, common phrases. So I might tell the kids, get in bed. But I'm going to say, get in the car huh. if I'm in a hurry. Or I say just, I misplace phrases all the time. Or words. Or similar words. Like, I just recently made a calendar on Airtable for my husband because i kept forgetting things and i was like sync our calendars make this big Airtable database of all the projects micro manage them mm-hmm. well three days later i forgot that i made it and then my husband's like you know you have to what do you have to do and i was like well i already sent you a calendar on asana well i made asana in like 2012 i made an asana account for different activities and stuff for tracking okay but like I had not put in Airtable and Asana interchangeably because they both start with A's, oh, right? right? Right,
1: right.
0: Which I think people generally do, but the frequency of me doing that is not not common. I guess I should that's how I can explain it. It's a, oh, problem. The fact that, like, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, I can make a calendar and forget that I made a calendar three days later, or I can wake up knowing I have an appointment at noon. And then at two o'clock after I'd like reminded myself six times that day that I had it, like I got busy, like, Oh, I need to wash my dog. My dog smells funny. And then before you know it, I forgot this whole appointment because I've got sidelined. And so I think for me, like I might say, I had a brain foggy kind of day. I'm making lots of mistakes. I'm missing a lot of appointments. I'm rescheduling things. I'm changing my words. Um, just kind of out of sync. I don't know how to explain it other than that.
2: In the moment of everyday life, like, yeah, it must be very difficult. Has it gotten better for you, like, since the the last injury?
0: Yeah, and here's the thing is I was thinking about that, and I don't even remember. I feel like time since the injury is on its own trajectory. Like, I don't know if it's been four years, five years. I mean, I just kind of lost track of time. And it's really weird because I think about – the phase before the injury and it feels like it was just a month or two ago and oh, wow. it's it's odd to me to look at pictures i was just recently looking at a picture of my son when he was really little like i mean really little maybe four mm-hmm. and i was like gosh that literally felt like a month ago like wow, and yeah. or i felt like i was teaching just like a year or so ago and it, and it and it hasn't been it's actually been this huge thing and so time for me is really has a new meaning um I don't know how to explain that. other than that. It's like time doesn't, like, I'm going to shop for a minute. Maybe I'll be in the store for two hours. And they'd be like, what were you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I was probably like contemplating what to cook for the next four years and not even noticing time passing. Wow. Um, That's a, but yeah. time it, Time doesn't, is very, very irrelevant to me at this point. And I, like I said, I don't even know how many years it's been. It, it seems like quite a few. I
2: kind of came to this perspective on myself that every single thing I'm doing is based on these. I don't know if there are features of what my brain does, like time, like planning, like memory, like, so I don't know. Have you looked at anything to try to help with time in terms of keeping time or a schedule or just an alarm or otherwise it's hard to, cause we forget to use them and then there's no point in having it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I've done all the above. Um, recently I had a major, I tried to rescue a cat and had a major like allergy to cats.
1: Oh, wow. And so <laughs> I'm
0: like, was on like four different antihistamines trying to get over it. Cause I, I got like double like ear infections and was miserable. Um, uh-huh but because of like, I don't know if it's just like a head pain or pressure or sinus and just feeling like, just really feeling miserable and my heart being broken and also because I couldn't have the cat, but it really threw me. I think any type of stress throws my brain, Yeah. but I was going through like a whole lot harder, like quote foggy moments. And so I was like, darn it, I'm going to get a whiteboard up because I know the visual whiteboard because I'll forget that I have a a calendar on my phone right. and I'll put up a, a thing on the fridge saying what I plan to cook that day. And then I'll put up like, I had an accountability partner that who's going to help me remember my appointments. And then I messaged a few different people who I have who I hold appointments with and reminded them that I had a brain injury and that they needed to text me before appointments or give me a call an hour ahead. If they actually wanted me to show up to meetings. And so I had to like make all these big concessions just because I was sick. And when I was sick, that took so much capacity from my brain Mm. that it really lessened a huge amount of my wavelength. And that's one thing that my husband constantly says, is that like my capacity for stress and what I could like handle on my plate is a lot smaller.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think, I think for me, it's really hard because there's the pre me that you knew, and there's the after me that you knew, but I don't know the before me anymore. Like that person, I don't know. And it's weird because people expect you to know who you were before, but I don't know who I was before. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how I handled stress differently or my capacity was differently. Like, sometimes I have a sense of things that I know I could do this, I can't do this now, or I'm different. frustrated about something. That's different but I don't...
2: Than, yeah, than knowing who you were. Yeah, for, you know, for me, the I don't know what was in my mind before my brain injury, but I know that it forever changed after. And then people are like, well, what are you talking about? Well, I was like, I'm not sure because I don't know what it is that changed. But there's things or ways that we know ourselves and there's what was in my head and it was gone. And I remember getting used to it. I remember like four or five years. It wasn't getting over. It was more accepting what was there now, which is weird.
0: I, 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 for me, I feel like being around people who used to know me previously, it makes me feel like self-conscious because yeah. they're – especially in the beginnings they're like oh you're getting so much better we see so much improvement your eyes look better you're whatever and you know like I'd be like well what's wrong with my eyes and so or (laughs) or oh you're you're talking really slow you didn't talk slow like that before or just on and on and on or like for now like they say I have a short temper like I get pissed way easy Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like I am any more or less than before and so when I be like personality is reflected off of people i previously know mm-hmm. that was really hard and right. i think for me changing positions and moving out of the industry i was in and just trying to like reinvent myself lets that other person die because
1: yeah revisiting
0: yeah. who i was all the time is really hard, it's very and, hard
2: yeah
0: Yeah, and it and doesn't then also make giving sense up.
2: yeah it doesn't oh well, i the giving up part change also happens like there's you know like yeah um giving up is one way to look at it changing is also another way um, um, good for you you know that i want to ask you a question and i forget the word but what were you saying your the term you used, what you have on your plate what your uh, your capacity what was the term you had just used
0: i have no idea but we're oh. recording this i know, I
2: know <laughs> but i wanted to ask in terms of the ability to do, um, you know, your uh, your workload for the day, you use two terms, and I wanted to ask you specifically what they mean. One was a wavelength, and the other one was something like workload. But you know what I'm talking about. So, how has that been? What is that?
0: Honestly, to me, I feel like I've been just doing different than I used to. I mean, i I can only be reflective of who I was previously by what people tell me that I'm surrounded by, specifically my husband, and so. It, it's a little bit foreign to me, like when he mm. says that, because I can't put my finger on that um, as a human. Right, but right. like as of now, like I've taken on way new things. Like like I, I started building things. I I mean tons of things. I built arbors and taking on just different software stuff and just different random things. But yeah. I don't understand. I guess it's hard for me to understand what I could do and couldn't do. Um, I will say what I noticed the most is only single task. And I think personally, I mean, you read every self-help book or How to Be a Great Mom book, and they're like, you need a single task. If you're focusing on this, only focus on that. Block chunkier things. And I think that every lot of self-help books and business books and whatever are all about, you know, blocking your day and four-hour work weeks. And But now I have to. It's not a matter of can Make, I move multi- yeah it's not can I it's like okay kids I'm gonna be writing this paper and if you interrupt me that means I have to read the entire paper that I wrote to get back on track to finish my last sentence because I've totally wiped everything in my mind so if you interrupt me five times that means I get to read this entire page five times over before I can start writing again do they
2: understand the kid yeah, yeah
0: yeah I think they do um my kids are adapting as they're growing older and they still interrupt like all kids will, Yeah. but I think that they're getting it because a lot of times I'm not writing papers, I'm cooking and that just straight means a fire. Like if they interrupt <laughs> me while I'm cooking, like I installed more fire alarms because they laugh that like cook by the fire alarm going off. It's done. Like, and I really do. I'm like, all right, kill the burn part off because damn it, we got interrupted again. And it's so bad. But if I am like overstressed or overworking or overloaded by sickness or whatever else, yeah. like I'll set a timer, be like, ding, the timer goes off. And I'll be like, the kids will say something. I'll forget the timer went off and I'll just let those cookies keep baking until they're black. Wow. And it's weird because I even set a timer to remind myself. But between the, their interruption and that timer going off, I've already forgot again to to take something out of the
2: oven. After my brain injury, I also had these strange experiences with the interaction between the outside world and the inside world, or me. Meaning, um, the way information it wouldn't go from the outside world into my mind. Have you had other strange experiences?
0: Um, I, I guess one of the I've had two really strange experiences one was early on when I looked at the microwave and I knew I should know how to use it and I couldn't figure it out uh, yeah. that was really frustrating and strange Um, like I could do something that was really technical for my job. I was putting up all this stuff together and and talking to people and organizing stuff and got everything online for COVID and set up the back system so that everybody could process that and record it. Like a lot of stuff. I think a lot of people I've met, like in the general populace wouldn't do, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'd look at my stove and I couldn't remember what buttons to push in what order to get the damn thing to turn on. Like I was like, ah, and Oddly, I think it's because I had an old stove. My brain was still set to how to make my old stove work. So when I got my new one, which was a great gift, but not a great gift for someone who had a brain injury who now cannot <laughs> function, so that was a weird. So what happened
2: with that? Were you able to learn the new stove, or did that feeling go away? If
0: I'm conscious and present with my stove, I can make it work. Oh. If I'm not conscious, I will. This the stove is weird. So you set the temperature, and then you have to push start. Well, I forget to push start because I think you should push start. Like you turn it on and right. then you set a temperature and then it just does its thing. Well, right. that's not how it works. It's reverse. And most, at most technology you turn the power on first. Well, this stove's opposite. So a lot of times I'll still go and I'll be like, why isn't this stove on? Like I turned it on. Like, and yeah. I, I constantly still have to revisit my stove and make sure I actually turn it on because I forget that start comes after you set a temperature. Well,
2: it was good that you have the habit then to go double check it. But yeah, it's, um, I, I, for a long time I was stuck where I had to repeat these things over and over and over but I guess I had enough um, time repeating it that eventually it got better oh, what was the other one that you were going to say Another
0: one was also in the beginning when I didn't really know how far off I was and I knew I probably shouldn't be driving and right. so I told my mom I was going to Seattle I was like mom you have to drive me to Seattle I I just can't do it by myself this trip it's a long trip regardless I'm just not feeling clear-headed and I was like shaking kind of Convulsively for like, I guess I got some kind of like stress induced like Tourette like stuff from the head injury. Like it was kind of like a seizure activity, but it was like Tourette. It was a weird thing. Mm -hmm. And and so I had my mom driving. She didn't realize how significant my brain injury was because I think I just kind of got quiet and I didn't say a lot at first. Yeah, I was like, I'll be fine. You know, it just feels like maybe like a really bad hangover. I don't know. I just wasn't really vocal. experiences i was having she kind of begrudgingly drove up to seattle and at one point she said okay i want you to tell me the directions on the phone well i was really slow to respond my response of time to the questions was really slow so instead of turning like turn left like i would say it after the the point like it finally come to mind after reading it and interpreting Uh it take my brain a while Uh And I was so frustrated. I was like, why aren't you just listening to Google? Google says things. You just listen to Google and the Google directions just do what it says. So finally I was like, pull over, I'll drive. Well, the crazy part was, as I'm listening to Google, I also was so slow in response and just couldn't remember like the things that I had seen. I literally drove past my exit three times. I was like, okay, the exit's on the left. Oh, I missed it. And I drove past it. And I wouldn't turn around, and the exit's on the right now, and I passed it. And then I, like, passed it the third time, and I just pulled over and realized, like, I can't drive.
2: You were driving. There was a <laughs> part of you that was driving, and then there was the part of you that's having these mental juggling problems. So the driving yeah. was still happening. Yeah. But the funny thing is that I think we actually could drive in that moment. So you haven't had that since.
0: No, oh. um... back then I had a lot of that and then I also had um like I would get lost in familiar places like that was really frustrating like I had a list that my brain just wasn't connecting and Mm -hmm. it was like it was kind of like a shorting out where Mm -hmm. I would connect fine and then those fog moments and it was short like I was at Walmart with this is crazy, but I actually somehow in my pocket. My parents had given me a list of everything I needed at the store. Because now I know I have to keep lists. I was going to my, you know, speech yeah. therapist and my occupational therapist, and so I'm here. I'm keeping my list. I have it in my hand. I'm standing in the store, staring at the shelves in Walmart, wondering why I wasn't at Winco. And later on, I felt this like this sense of dread and like panic, like something's not right and adding up. Why they both start with W's? The stuff is not mm-hmm. the store that I want. And I can't find this shit on my list. So I sit down, I take a break, de-stress, you know, kind of come to it. And I look down, I'm holding a list for McDonald's like oh. of stuff that like people <laughs> want at McDonald's and I'm just like it like what the hell like yeah. I'm in the wrong store holding a list for McDonald's like and it was like it's some old piece of paper I just couldn't put all the puzzle pieces together right and luckily I went on um some medications for a while and I really felt like it helped that kind of like brain seizure whatever activity that I was having um but there was definitely this phase where the information was not connecting, and I was not realizing the disconnect.
2: Right. That, yeah, that uh, realizing went, it is a huge part, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like over time, it has gone a lot better.
0: Oh, oh yeah. I would say overall, like, a lot has gone better, but I won't say that I am the person I was before. Right. And without struggle. Like, I'm just learning how to adapt better to my struggles. With
2: that two-year-old here. Oh, do the symptoms are, I guess, minimized or less frequent?
0: So here's something that was kind of weird. This explains it. So prior prior to my head injury, I was like in college, one of the top of my class, got Mm -hmm. great grades, multitasked, like super overachiever. And so I was super stressed and I was like, that's it. I can't Uh think. I have this brain fog, blah, 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 blah. So I went to a... Um, I guess like some type of psychologist to do a bunch of testing to see if I needed like Adderall or like something to make my brain like focus better. Yeah. And all my scores came back that I'm like an average human. And I'm like, well, that's great. But I wasn't an average human before. Yeah. I was like top of my class, like super human before. And now I'm not. Now I'm just like Joe Schmo, And I think that's something that I'm still really struggling with was who I was before and who mm-hmm. I am now. Mm-hmm. Cause even looking at my new job, it's like, they accepted who I am now. They talked to me, I did five interviews and this and that, but I have this really nervous tension of like, when they, what what happens when they find out things I can't do? Um, yeah. What happens like when I forget meetings or if I say the wrong words or whatever, I have, like, a whole set of, I don't know, like, baggage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and
2: there's the identity thing. Um, Given the job that you just got, are they aware of what you, what are your limitations? Or are you just hoping not to worry about it? Because it might not come up.
0: Yeah, well, I, I kind of laughed because I know eventually it's going to have to come yeah, up, but yeah. I didn't want to affect the hiring process. Oh. And the, the thing is, is like, because I was a high achiever and stubborn, and because I was just damn confused. Like I've never did disability or anything like that. And even when I was in a wheelchair for a while, and I could barely speak, and I was having horrible like seizure movements. Like, I remember people being like, you should go on disability, like this and this and that. And I was like, look at the paper pile and was like, I can't fill out this form. I can't make the microwave work. And so, like, when I really needed support, it mm-hmm. wasn't there.
1: Wow. And
0: yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people in my support group, like, they accessed a whole bunch of different supports in that way. But I was so incapacitated. I didn't have, like, the ability to do that mm-hmm. at that time. And now that I feel like I don't need that, I don't have that type of disability on my record. And so let's say I wanna employ for a partial disability short work schedule because I told my employers I only wanna work 20 hours a week or less. And I know that because that's my brain capacity. But yeah. I also know as like an intelligent person, like I should be able to file for some type of disability because of that, because I shouldn't, that's just it's really my capacity
2: facing these issues once we have the brain injury is very challenging it's good that you've got the job though and that you're trying to work on it because even if you don't get it all to work with this job you'll probably get a lot better
0: yeah and the thing is is like part of me just thinks like hey i'm, I'm setting myself up because i know what i can do and what i can't do and i'm setting it on my own schedule working remotely yeah. and if i need to take an hour break i can right. like i'm not working nine to five I'm working in an industry that has plenty of online tutorials if I need to. Uh, And I I feel like that part's fine. Like, the emotional regulation and the frustration tolerance, that has been hard because...
2: So, you have had that as well?
0: Oh, yeah. 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 Like, Mm -hmm. mostly for me, like, my husband says it all the time. Like, we had to go to counseling because... He said, like, I'm a totally different person than the person that he knew previously. Wow. Like, I don't know the other person, so I can't tell you who that was. Yeah. Like, um, I know who I am now, and I'm like, I'm freaking awesome most of the time. I will say, <laughs> don't interrupt me. Like, if I'm, like, focused, like, and I'm on my hyper-focused skills, and I'm, like, whatevering, or if I was studying coding a couple of years ago, I taught myself how to code because I thought maybe I'll just do coding and doing front-end development. or database stuff. And so I started teaching myself that, but like, I know that once I'm sucked into something, I don't like interruptions. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I feel like I'm way more set with these are my boundaries. Like I'm a super boundary center Mm -hmm. where it's like, this is what I'm doing. You don't interrupt and period. Like I don't have tolerance like I did for interruptions. And I think that I lived a lifestyle before where that was totally fine and stress like, just kind of rolled off my shoulders and now like with like covid and all these different things elections like i might be up half the night not being able to sleep yeah and
2: for me it like provokes me so much more but i don't know if it was like that before i just know that it's very difficult to deal with it um so then have you what have you used to manage that if any
0: so i've tried visuals like with my kids and so I use like index first of all I have rule charts visual rule charts because my son's also autistic so he's a really visual person too and so I have like index cards that I like clip onto my monitor saying like do not disturb unless the house is on fire kind of things or like you can interrupt me now or whatever like I can put those onto my computer screen and that really helps Mm -hmm. Uh, having my partner understand like where I'm at, like, and really learning to check in. Like, I don't think that I ever put any thought into my emotions previously. And now I actually have to do, like, mental check-ins. Like, how am I feeling? What is my stress load? Do I need to take a break? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I ever thought of that before. I don't think that that ever occurred to me. And now, Was it
2: something that was just automatic, or was it something that you didn't have to worry about? I think maybe
0: both, maybe both. I don't know. Like for instance, like I've been having a lot of knee pain after my car accident and to the point where like, I won't notice that I'm stressed, but my kid will be like, Hey, how's your knee feeling? I'll be like, Oh, I am feeling really pissed (laughs) and snappy.
1: And,
0: and, and it's weird because those kind of physical ailments, like they, you hear about them affecting like old people, like changing their mood. But it seems like I've almost become one of those like old people early, where those kind of anxieties just kind of make me crotchety like an old person.
2: When you want to, you are able to focus. Learning how to code the whole interview process is not easy. Was that something you had to regain, or was it there, more or less?
0: I had to relearn how to focus, and it just comes with like trying to send a text and, like I said, reading it five times before I got it out. And learning how to reorganize conversations. Typically, like if I wanted to have a conversation like this and you act, wanted to stay on the same topic, because yeah. I'll forget what I was talking about two seconds ago, oh. I, I write um, itineraries a lot for yeah. things. And I have got super into flowchart, things like that, to help me like structure things to stay focused. So I use calendars. and But I had to, I think I've always been a really charty, graphy, numbers kind of person but now i have to super be that person mm-hmm. and i have to take notes constantly where i didn't have to take notes before like for instance i've actually talked to some individuals and i'm just like look at i know that i'm just gonna like my conversations never gonna stay on topic <laughs> and at this point i recommend yeah. that you send me an email and itemize the email one through ten of what you want me to address and then i will answer those and it's just order
1: its a good, because
0: habit, the con- yeah. yeah, and I feel like it's really weird, but when you know the previous employees and other people did do that, it's like they actually got the answer directly what they wanted without any side topics. But if I don't have that type of visual clarity, mm-hmm. like gosh knows where the conversation's going, <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: the hiding and basically just keeping all the problems to yourself um.
0: After my injury, I totally hid. I totally didn't want to like admit that I was even injured. After I even though I my I was dripping brain fluid, I just t- where was it
2: dripping from? Your nose? My nose. Wow. And
0: so I. I when I smashed, when I got my head smashed in the ground, I kind of rolled with it and I got up and I got it like a tissue first thing and I was like dripping fluid wow. and I just went through it just saying, Hey, I'm sorry. I'm just bleeding a little bit, wiping my nose. It wasn't blood. Like it was just like, you know, lightly pink stained, you know, wow. cerebral fluid. And, but I was so, and I tried to explain, this is something that my neurologist didn't get. I said, I was wrong. And they're like, what's wrong? I said, "Rung is when you like are like semi-conscious. You just feel wrong. Like if you do more squats, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you just feel a little bit like you've done too many, you know, circles, you know, somersaults at once. You just feel kind of uh, rung. And so, I kept telling myself, like, oh, 'Oh, I'm just a little rung. I'm fine.' And trying to float with it. I'm here
2: with Isaac, but we are listening. Um, That's cool.
0: Yeah. And. I just didn't even want to admit it to anybody. In fact, I even went to the hospital to visit my dad who had had knee surgery, and I kind of hung out there a little longer, wondering if I was just going to, like, kill over or something. Like, I wasn't sure. That was that day? I think it was that day or the day after, but I knew I I was still dripping. Wow. And and I just didn't want to admit it because I'd had so many concussions that I've just kind of pushed through. And... With help, That's like I've always been the person to give help and volunteer and organize. I've never been someone who's a receiver of help. And so when my injury happened, I literally just laid on the couch and waited to die. I didn't reach out for help for the most part. And the people I did, I wasn't good at expressing my needs. And I realized that in general, I'm not very good at expressing my needs.
2: I think I started realizing that, like, Either 15 years or 17 years after my injury, I was like, I still don't know how to do what you just said. That.
0: I mean, eventually I had to reach out to medical professionals yeah, because yeah. like day three, I started stuttering really bad and I couldn't talk right. Uh-huh. And so day three, I realized like, I can't even find the words to anything. And so that's when I went into the hospital, the ER. So I knew like day three, because I know at that point I realized, hey, when you can't talk and you're stuttering, like yeah. there's a problem and and also I think it's just financial like I knew that my insurance was going to be really expensive and I was like hey I've had you know concussions before like you know this one at least I didn't vomit from like uncontrollably like the previous one and I had my window I had got thrown on my head from a a big old hip toss and landed on my head and I was out the window on the drive home vomiting the whole way on like I-5 with my head out the window and like the reasonable person would been like, I'm gonna call my husband to come pick me up. I'm obviously sick. But <laughs> then to do everything is like, I'll just you know put my head out the window and vomit as I drive down the road. Well, you I get it done and then you get home. Yeah.
2: Oh. <laughs> um, so okay. So that's a good place to start, only because I want to know more about your experience with the medical community. I given that I got a you know dinner time anyway. So yeah. um, thank you. And for me, there was a lot of stuff that I kept to myself, and I started talking to people. I'm like, oh. We have our own, like, language or way we've dealt with it. All right. Have a good night. Well, yes. well,
0: you do, too. I just want to tell you thank you also for talking to me because I'll tell you, like, you gave me hope with everything that you accomplished. And there were so many times it was so dark. And just to know, like, you overcame, at least to a certain degree, you know, and you were still alive and you were still kicking and you and accomplished things in life. It just gave me hope. So I always, always thank you. So thank you.
2: And, and, you know, and within that, I'm like, I don't think people realize how long it it takes. So... Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you.